Hello, my relatives. Welcome to season one of Reclaiming the Child Welfare Narrative with the Capacity Building Center for Tribes. We recognize the need for change in our child welfare systems, and our desire is to examine how these systems do or don't align with our tribal values. We hope to create conversations that honor our interconnectedness and reclaim a child welfare narrative that tells our story. Welcome everyone to Reclaiming the Child Welfare Narrative. With Native communities seeing their children as sacred gifts, how do we step back and then reimagine or remember what that means? How would the community want to see them being cared for? During this episode, we'll take that step back and discuss what it will look like for Native communities to be happy, healthy, and whole. What then would this mean to a child welfare program? And how would they reflect these values? Buju, Kakadus Aki, Indigenous. My English name is Jackie Croshu. I come from the Fish Clan and enrolled in the Turtle Mountain Band in North Dakota, and I'm happy to be here. Today, as I mentioned, we want to talk about what would your community look like if it were happy, healthy, and whole, and these cultural teachings that support our Native youth. With Native communities seeing their children as sacred gifts, how do we step back? Our guest today is one of my dear friends, Ethleen Ironcloud Two Dogs. Ethleen is enrolled with the Oglala Nation. She has done extensive work with the Capacity Building Center for Tribes. She provides training and technical assistance in the areas of tribal youth, program development, suicide prevention, trauma-informed care, and Lakota mental health and cultural competencies. I'm gonna turn it over to you, Ethleen, and just do your own personal introductions for our guests. Good day, my relatives. I am Shina Ikikjui, takes the robe woman, Ethleen Iron Cloud Two Dogs. I'm Oglala Lakota, an enrolled citizen there, and also have Crow tribal ancestry. Um, I am very happy to be here, and one of the things that occurred to me, um, and, and I need to honor that, is that any time we talk about the children, that we um, understand <clears throat> that they are sacred beings. The word for well, uh, child in Lakota is wakayeja, and people say, well, that means uh, child, and in our <clears throat> dictionary it says uh, child. But what it actually means is waka, which is sacred or uh, beyond beyond compare. Um, and yeja means as a, like referring to as a sacred being. So basically the children are um, sacred beings. So to honor that, um, I would like to offer a wocheke, which mm -hmm. in Lakota, um, it, it doesn't mean prayer. In, in the dictionary, it'll mean, it'll say prayer, but that's not what it is. Whenever we say wocheke, then we say wo as collective, cha means to cry, um, indicating symbolic of the sincerity 
um, yeah is sending to, uh, to the future. So basically it's sending a collective cry like for a need or for the future. In this case, it's for our children. So I would like to um, honor that uh, belief, you know, that we always have to precede everything, you know, with a, with a wocheke, with that um, prayer. Grandfather, grandmother of the spirit world, I ask that you have compassion for the children, that children everywhere be protected. Our children suffer. I ask that they be given good health, wellness, happiness. All my relatives. Thank you for that. I, I, um, I think everywhere, you know, people cry, you know, for our children and the state of our children. And it's not just native children. I think about the children in Ukraine, that they are suffering immensely, you know, and many of them hungry. They don't know, they don't have anywhere to go. They've been violated. They've been subject to extreme violence, um, terror, and I think about our indigenous native children who have gone through similar feelings. You know, my uh, father at the age of six was taken from his family forcibly to a boarding school. And he was, uh, he went there to that boarding school until sixth grade for some reason that was the grade that they allowed them to go home. But um, he talks, he talked about that uh, when he was here and he talked about, you know, having to navigate that whole really foreign system and being a Lakota speaker, first his first language, and having an older boy take him under his wing and who had been there, you know, for some time. And he told him, do this, you know, don't do that, you know, and kind of um, showed him the ropes. And he said, if it wasn't for him, he said, I don't know what I would have done, he said. But I think about those things and there's thousands of stories, you know, like that. And um, I think about the um, children at uh, Sandy Hook Elementary, you know, where this gunman went in and um, killed many of them and their, their little lives, their little spirits, you know, are cut short and their, um, you know, the, the suffering and terror that they experience. It's just so contrary to what is, you know, how we're supposed to be treating them, you know? So I just wanted to um, really, um, I guess, exp uh, express that and emphasize it, how important it is for us as a society to restore that 
uh, connection to the the belief that children are sacred. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, you know uh, the the um, children were often seen as um, objects. You know, like they like for example in schools, you know they would say um, the cases, you know, or files, or numbers, or even students. You know, we tend to objectify them, and we don't really um, take into account, you know, the context of where they're coming from. That's the disruptive child. That's the um, disorderly conduct child. That's the child that comes from an alcoholic family, you know. Um, so we do a lot of labeling. And within that labeling, then we tend to, um, I guess, treat them according to that label. Mm -hmm. So they become objects and they become um, something it almost gives us permission to um, treat them however we want, you know, and mm -hmm. to ignore their needs. So I, I really um, would like to see a national worldwide mm -hmm. <laughs> movement to restore children to their um, rightful role as sacred beings, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I, I don't think that that's just in an indigenous um belief. I think that at one time, every culture, every group had that, you know, um, mm -hmm. thinking that the children are our future, and it wasn't just rhetoric. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I've seen, I've, I, first, I just want to thank you for offering, you know, before we got started, you know, just centering ourselves. And my, my grandma, Rosie Day Ryder used to say, you know, to, to call your spirit and mm -hmm. for, for it to be present because, you know, Ethleen, I know, um, you know, just some of the things that you've mentioned um, and, you know, where there's the, 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 the pain that's in happening, you know, in our world and how important it is for us to, you know, breathe and center ourselves and, and, and weep, you know, like I know as a, as a mother, as a grandmother, you know, that we must take that time mm -hmm. because otherwise I think as matriarchs, we just keep going and going. So I really appreciated that pause and that prayer. So I want to say thank you for that. But I also want to recognize that exactly what you're saying, it feels that, you know, I, I, I feel that the system, the administration, you know, um, even when we look at well-being, you know, as a federal child welfare indicator, um, it may not have been intended for the indigenous worldview, but you talking about that worldview and the word child, you know, and that, that, that sacred gift um, is really looking at shifting this conversation to that shared responsibility and recognizing that we all need to come together and really think about what that responsibility looks like. Um, I know you've talked about, you know, the, the frame of mind, you know, not only with the sacred ones, but also, um, you know, so they can become healthy elders. Uh, and I, and you've talked a little bit about the child well, um, the ceremonies that you have been able to do um, and the community, tribal community meetings, you know, and asking about the children. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about, you know, 
how are the children and, and some of what I've heard you speak about in other areas. I think um, <clears throat> one of the biggest um, concepts uh, in our Lakota worldview, and I can only speak from a Lakota worldview, I can't speak for every you know, tribe or even say indigenous people, because that doesn't do justice to all of the very important, sacred, diverse beliefs, you know, that are out there. But I also can't speak for, you know, the uh, world in general, all the other, um, you know, cultures and uh, groups that are out there. Um, but I can speak from the Lakota worldview in that um, at one time we did have that, you know, shared responsibility uh, for our children. So, for example, um, whenever a, a boy gets to the age of um, where his voice changes, and it's not a certain age, you know, it's a certain um, phase in his life, you know, and he'll, his voice changes from that high tone to the kind of deeper tone, and then the male relatives take notice. Well, everybody takes notice, but particularly the male relatives would take notice and they would um, say, you know, it's time for him to um, go through this uh, manhood ceremony. It's time for us to take him and to really impress upon him, you know, the importance of being a Lakota man and what that entails, you know, and everything was based on our seven sacred laws, we call them the Wo'opche Shakoi. Wo'opche is a law, and that's the closest translation I can come to. But um, whenever I say law, then people think about tribal laws, federal laws, um, you know, state laws. But in our worldview, a law is um, the, the sacred law is, you know, that what informs your life informs your thinking, your attitude, your behaviors, your communal life, your societal life, the governance, everything, you know. So those shakoni uh, means seven. So we have the wolke shakoni that was given to us, the seven sacred laws. So for example, compassion, that is one of the first um, laws that is impressed upon the young man. For the girls, it would be whenever she uh, had her first monthly purification time, then the female relatives would take her and have a ceremony with her, a womanhood ceremony, and they would impress upon her the importance and the teachings about being a strong Lakota woman. And so in, in both of these ceremonies, then the seven sacred laws are key to uh, the young people understanding their role in life, you know, so the compassion, you know, having wa'unshila, um, you know, for everybody, everything, the plant life, the animal life, human life, you know, the earth, you know, um, everything and everybody around them, and also themselves. And I think that is a um, often ignored or overlooked um, area is that it, we think about these laws and they're all outward, but what about ourselves? How do we have compassion for ourselves? And so a lot of our, our children, you know, they were taught, you know, to talk to their spirit, you know, whenever they were feeling bad. And I have a granddaughter who's graduating from high school this year, and she's been through 
a lot of uh, challenges, multiple traumas, and she's just come a really long way. And I talked to her about that. And I said, how do you, how did you come to this point? And she said, um, one of the things I do is I really talk to my spirit and I, I comfort her. And I, uh, sometimes I imagine her uh, when she was a little girl and maybe that little girl is still, you know, um, hurting. And here I am. Uh, 17 years old, but I still have that little girl spirit to comfort. And it just kind of uh, blew me away because I thought when I was her age, I didn't have that understanding. You know, it was, it wasn't um, emphasized, you know, because we were in a time, whenever I was young, we were in a time of uh, great disconnection from our culture, you know, so I'm so appreciative that, you know, she was able to grasp that understanding and to put it into practice, you know, every day. So that is one of the um, laws. And I could go on and on about the seven sacred laws, but I just want to use that one as an example. You know, there's uh, the other um, laws are very significant and very um, symbolic and can inform, you know, and do inform, you know, how we live our lives. But uh, I think that would be an all day talk mm -hmm. <laughs> if I talked about those, um, you know, the, the other laws. But I think, you know, within the systems that exist, uh, you know, if we had a foundation, like say, for example, I'll, I'll talk about my own people. If we had the seven sacred laws as the foundation for everything, our child protection services, our um, behavioral health, our tribal council, our tribal government, you know, then things would look much different, you know. And even um, like within the schools, you know, if we had a um, process of understanding how important you know kinship is which is we um i've heard it said before and i don't remember who said it they said kinship is the glue that holds us together as a people you know and it's the reason that we survived for thousands of years uh, despite all of the atrocities that we've been through as indigenous people as lakota people we're still here we still have our language, we still have our ceremonies, and we we are we are here, you know, and the um, kinship is a big part of that. So, for example, if children, um, I'm on the board of directors for a girls school here in uh, Porcupine, South Dakota. Uh, it's a private girls school, Umpo Wichakbi Owaiwa, which is the Morning Star School for girls and. Um, it's also known as the Pine Ridge Girls School. And at this school, then, we really try to emphasize those uh, foundational principles of Lakota, um, the Lakota belief system. So one of the things that um, is taught there is uh, about kinship. And my granddaughter was telling me last night, she said, Onchi, which means grandmother in um, language, she said, I, I really... Um, I really feel good inside whenever I hear the little girl say chue, which means older sister. Um, and they call, and, and she said, and then I respond to them, which is younger sister. So at one time, you know, that was common. It was very common to, to use kinship terms as a, 
an appeal to the other person to, um, you know, of kinship, respect, but also to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. So whenever these boundaries are set, then that can guard against uh, bullying, you know, mm -hmm. gossip. Uh, we, we have certain codes of conduct, you know, um, whenever we use kinship terms and never we think in those those terms so I, I think the systems that are out there if we were to um, look at all the children as relatives and address them as such hakoja means grandchild koja means niece uh, toshka means nephew you know and if we were to use those terms and mean it you know and act accordingly mm -hmm. then i believe that the dynamics would be much different mm -hmm. but we are trained in a western um, education system where we're supposed to be objective quote unquote <laughs> and where we're supposed to keep people at arm's length you know and not to get not to engage with them on a personal level because then we might cross boundaries and that's understandable. However, we can do this in a respectful way, you know, to treat each other as relatives and to um, call each other by kinship terms, whatever system there is, you know, and it becomes, you know, a way of life, you know, mm -hmm. and so we're basically what we're doing is we're, we're moving back to restoring that um, sense of uh, community where we're all responsible for one another as relatives. Mm -hmm. We would not have the homelessness. We would not have the violence. We would not have, you know, uh, children being sent for out of home, you know, placement. Um, mm -hmm. And people might say, well, that's, that's not possible. That's utopian, you know, and, and I've, I've gotten that, you know, response whenever I, um, talk like that whenever I talk like this and one of the um one of the responses I received whenever me and my husband went to the tribal council and they were trying to legalize alcohol on the reservation and the um response from some of the council people were well people are going to drink anyway we need to regulate it and we need to um you know we can use that money for uh treatment and I said well why don't we do this why don't we sell children uh, to be abused because children are going to be abused anyway. And then we can use that money to set up shelters and to set up treatment centers for them. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And they said, that's, that's crazy. You know, that's, you know, nobody would do that. I said, well, it's the same thinking. Why can't we have a drug free, alcohol free community for our children? And we say that loud and clear, you know, if people want to drink, use drugs, then go somewhere else, you know, yeah. and, and let's, you know, control our environment so that it's alcohol free, drug free, you know, uh, so mm -hmm. anyway. Um, but I love what you're saying about, you know, because we are relational people and I, I know just personally when somebody is referring to me as, you know, uh, th these young women, and now that I'm getting older, now that I am a grandma, you know, I'm hearing, you know, young women call me Auntie Moore. Um, and when I, and when they do that, you know, my spirit perks up, and I do feel a sense of responsibility, because if that's how they are identifying me, then I better behave as though I am their relative. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that is key. Same with, you know, I'm hearing more of us referring to one another as sisters, you know, and 
I uncles and I, I think that is so important and I'm glad that you talked about that because I also think you know when we are gathering as people you know when we're when we are asking you know how are the children doing there is that responsibility that lies within that question we have to answer that hard question how are the children doing um, and I've also heard you talk about that like if we can do that regularly and check in about how our children are doing you know it it there's that responsibility that comes along with that yes um i think we can build those things into our um governance systems and whenever i say governance i'm not talking just about tribal government i'm talking about how we govern ourselves so every family, if every family asked, how are the children doing, you know, and what are, what, what is it that we need to do to um, ensure that they are safe, that they are healthy, that they are happy. But if we were to um, go, like, say, apply that to on a broader level, you know, like, say, at a community meeting, um, on, in our, uh, on our reservation, we have nine districts. So if every district on their agenda had an um, agenda item, how are the children doing? What would that translate to? It would translate to how many police reports um, of like say anything, domestic violence, uh, drinking, you know, whatever it was, how many children were involved, you know, and how do we intervene uh, to make sure that, you know, whatever they've experienced and it were exposed to, how can we, um, provide services to help them process that in a healthy way so that we're not waiting until they become teenagers or adults and it's manifested into um, substance abuse, you know, using substances, using drugs or gambling or, or, or any other unhealthy, you know, option to process that. You know, we really have to provide those opportunities to help them process that. So um, I think the, the governance is, again, it goes back to those seven sacred laws. You know, how do we govern ourselves? Like what you were saying about, you know, whenever they call you auntie, then it gives you a sense of uh, responsibility. Well, I'm an auntie, so, and I'm not, I'm not using you, but I'm using that term as an example. Um, an auntie guides an auntie helps, an auntie is compassionate, you know, an auntie doesn't gossip about um, these girls, you know, or, or doesn't, you know, isn't mean to them or cruel to them, you know, so um, all of those behavioral type of, you know, indicators come into play, you know, so I think the, um, it, it's, it's difficult, you know, because of the, um, grievances, the devastations, the traumas that our families have been through, then usually many times it's the children that bear the brunt of all of that pain, whether it's through neglect or whether it's through the object of, you know, anger, hurt, grief. Um, and, and that's, you know, we really have to help the families. So the focus, you know, that we're talking about, you know, is the children, but we also have to look at, you know, the children that grow into adolescence and 
adults and elders who still need processing, healthy processing, you know, for the pain that they've been through so that they don't pass that on, you know. So really any kind of um, healing um, opportunity should include, um, you know, the, the adults and should include um, family members, you know. So we've had uh, children's healing camps and we, we say children that have experienced trauma, grief, loss. And so people will um, think that, you know, well, it's just the children that are going. And then we say all other family members are welcome to come, you know, siblings, the mother, the father, the aunties, the uncles, because we know how impactful trauma has been, you know, on a family. If, if a child has experienced that, then usually, you know, the whole family has suffered it. So it makes sense for agencies and programs to put funding toward healing opportunities for the entire family and not to really target individual uh, individuals uh, because what that tends to do is to pathologize you know their their need like they are the problem you know so we're going to send you away you're going to go to a JDC or you're going to go to a treatment center but in actuality that child is expressing symptoms of what is out of balance in the family you know so the, the child then tends to think, well, I'm the problem. I'm, I'm the one that's bad. I'm the one that's, you know, and that really, um, you know, informs their identity and informs their um, way that they see themselves, you know, their self-esteem and their self-confidence. So I, I think that's um, something that we really have to look at, you know, as far as like the entire family. Whenever I talked about the um, youth camps, then there's also, you know, gender specific camps and gender respectful camps. Last year in June, we had a camp for LGBTQ two-spirit um, youth, and it was really, um, it was really healing, you know, for for everybody, because mm -hmm. whenever anybody is um, suffering any kind of, um, you know, trauma, then everybody suffers, you know, mm -hmm. everybody mm -hmm. feels it. So mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure that we had that uh, for them. Yeah. And, and I hear, I hear you talking about the importance, you know, as we describe that, that love and compassion for ourselves, our individual selves, and how we nurture in, and 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 talk to ourselves, talk to our spirits. And then I also hear, you know, how we then begin to uh, relate to our relatives in the community in, in the responsibilities that our communities take and the action, you know, that our community. So, you know, how do we build in systems of love and care and culture and language, you know, so we have that, you know, residing around us. So you're not, you know, sending a child off to where none of that exists. Not only are they not in their community, but they're also not receiving, you know, the, the connection to their spirit that will guide them, you know, as they grow older. And so hearing about some of these 
youth camps or these wellness camps or healing camps that you're talking about, you know, feels so essential and something that, you know, I'm, I'm seeing more and more, you know, across Indian country, you know, tribes doing it. And of course, you know, I'm also seeing and, and, and it's been my own experience working in the tribal child welfare system is, you know, also, you know, finding the funding that can be, you know, I say, quote, unquote, innovative, um, because we also know that it takes resources to build these camps, you know, to feed our families, you know, as we gather and come together, um, you know, and, and that not always do we have the funding streams designed, you know, to be able to do that. And it's really having to be creative in figuring out ways in which to support this the wellness within our, our tribes, um, within our people. And mm -hmm. because we know that we, we form these stronger bonds within families um, when we're able to do this, just as, as you're describing. So I, I really appreciate that community responsibility and it not just being a, the child welfare system itself, you know, it's the entire community yes. wrapping themselves around our children as yes. a whole. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I think um, one of the words you shared, which was love and care, you know, within the systems, I, I, I think that is so important. Um, and there is a parent that comes to mind. He's no longer um, on earth here. He's in the spirit world now, but he said years ago, he said, I don't want to send my little girl to school because they're not going to tehila her like, um, like me and my family do. And so the word for cherish in Lakota is tehila, you know, and when you tehila somebody, then you cherish them and you treat them with great care. You know, you love them. And I, I was thinking, why isn't cherishing, why isn't tehila taught in our, um, you know, teacher training programs, you know, mm -hmm. cherishing the children? And some people might say, well, that's, uh, you know, that's the family's responsibility. But, you know, what we um, have gone away from and what we need to be restored to is that sense of communal societal responsibility for the well-being, health, and happiness of our children. And that's everybody. It doesn't matter if it's a, a not a child program or if it's not, you know, child welfare or if it's not, you know, um, Head Start, you know, if it's law enforcement, you know, if it's, um, you know, whatever the health programs, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever program it is, then that should be the foundation. You know, mm -hmm. you will tequila the children and this mm -hmm. is how you're going to do it. You know, mm -hmm. I don't mean to sound so um, like, like a mandate, but then yeah. really, you know, we, we really need to do that. Yeah. And it starts with ourselves, you know, yes. like what you yes. said about, you know, like the self. Um, appreciation, self-care, you know, if we have that within ourselves and we're able to extend that, yes. you know, um, yes. so yes. Um, yes. I, I, let's see, what else were we going to talk about? Well, I mean, I, I, I just, I appreciate so much of this conversation because I do think, you know, anytime I've looked at our teachings, this applies to any human being. You know, because I think 
you know, for my own journey, my own experiences, when I was able to start to heal the trauma that I experienced, you know, as a young woman um, and, and started to nurture that rather than shove it down, try to forget about it, not speak about it because I carried that shame. I was only able to offer so much to other people. Mm-hmm. But, the, but when I went into ceremony and began to uncover that and to began to recognize that that doesn't belong to me, that what was done to me, you know, was what somebody else did, that I no longer need to carry that shame, then I was able to connect and, and be more loving and kind and caring to, you know, my, my the children I cared for in, in the systems or my family and, and so forth. So again, I really appreciate that. And I also know that, you know, Ethelene, we had an opportunity years ago to work on, you know, this Lakota worldview. And it's much of what you're speaking about because what we want to do is we want to imagine, you know, what does that look like if we are happy and healthy in whole communities? And when we worked together, what I really appreciated is when we were able to go into the Inipi, into the lodge, and really center our spirits on, you know, what we wanted to create for the people. And, you know, to be able to do that and have that opportunity with you, you know, I don't, I have not always been able to do that when we've created products, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, have opportunities to go in and, and be in the lodge and pray, but to be able to really do it and think about, you know, what can we create that can help our children, our communities, our, our tribal systems and, that Lakota worldview, I felt, was just one way. And in fact, we've had other tribes look at that and think about, you know, if we were to do this in our community, you know, what would that look like? And so I don't know if that's, if you want to talk a little bit about, you know, that when, you know, uh, uh, when that spirit comes, you know, into this world and the strength of that spirit, you know, and then again, as you've explained, as they grow older and into elders. So I don't, if you have a moment, if, if you would sure. share with folks mm-hmm. about, about that, that worldview. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, one of the things that, if you ever notice, um, Toza, if you ever go into, you, you, I know you notice this, whenever you go into indigenous communities, then a lot of times then um, adults will shake hands with the babies. Did you ever notice that? Like they actually greet them and shake hands mm-hmm. with them. And I think that's, um, I haven't seen that in other, you know, um, places, communities among other groups, but in indigenous communities, then when there's a baby, then people really take notice and talk to the baby and shake hands with the baby and um, really acknowledge. And I think the world view is that this little spirit may be, um, you know, somebody that lived before, maybe an elder, you know, maybe uh, somebody that's uh, reincarnated, you know, and so we really have to acknowledge, you know, their spirit. And I think that's um, symbolic of that, you know, the way that we greet and talk to children. And so whenever the spirit comes from the spirit world, we have a very strong message for our young people. As you know, we have a very high suicide rate among Indigenous youth. 
And so the, the message that we really stress is that um, you were meant to be here. You have unique strengths, skills, talents, you know, you have a purpose here and you were sent here, you know, as a blessing to the, the people and to this earth, you know, so we really try to stress that. And um, it's not just taught, it is based on that belief, that worldview that, you know, the baby was, this baby spirit of the uh, infant was sent here and it's our responsibility to provide whatever they need for them to grow into a healthy elder. There's a lot of ceremonies that, um, you know, happen even before when they're in the womb. You know, there's four ceremonies in our Lakota worldview that's supposed to be uh, done. And each time, you know, the baby's talked to, but the baby's talked to throughout, you know, in the womb and sung to, um, if you ever notice too, little children, little infants, you know, even they can't even sit up yet and you stand them up on your lap. And whenever they hear a drum, they start dancing, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. they heard it in the womb, but they also heard it in the spirit world, you know, so they connect with that drum. But all the ceremonies that um, are supposed to happen within that first stage of life, which is pre-birth to right around the time that they transition from being a um, from a boy to young manhood, from a girl to young womanhood, then those are all very important developmental processes and ceremonies to inform their future path and their development. So whenever they get to the age of transition, having those ceremonies, you know, it, it's almost like uh, there's, it's a map, you know, so like say whenever they come from the spirit world and somebody talks to them and says, you're going here, you know, and then whenever they come to the womb, then they, they talk to them and say, we're so glad you're here. You know, I have a, um, a daughter niece that is going to have a baby in September and just so excited, you know, for her. And every time I see her, then I talk to, you know, I touch her stomach and I talk to Kakoja, you know, it's good you're here, you know, and so that the child will, you know, not only understand my voice as an unchi, but also, you know, to, um, know that they're appreciated and welcomed, you know. So that worldview is um, one of the very important um, concepts or goals of, of that process is to become a healthy elder. Mm -hmm. So our people were, um, you know, the, the well-being of our people was measured by if the children were happy and healthy, and if there was ha uh, happy, healthy elders, you know, mm -hmm. and not that adults aren't important, it's just that it's a transition, you know, mm -hmm. so whenever um, people reach the fourth stage of life, which is elderhood, maybe 50, 60 years old and above, then those elders would then um, turn around and provide guidance, teachings, mm -hmm. they would um, pass on the knowledge, you know, that that's key to ensuring a healthy, balanced life, you know, and whenever they went back to the spirit world, then the ones in the third stage would move up and they would have enough teachings to fulfill that role of elderhood. Mm -hmm. So every stage of life is, you know, uh, key. Mm -hmm. Within those four stages of life are seven transitions, you know, for the individual. So 
like say, and, and their celebrations. And I would really like to emphasize that because whenever a child is first um, known to be conceived, then there's a celebration. There's prayers and there's, you know, food and there's talking to the baby and there's happiness, you know. Whenever the child comes to earth, then there's another celebration. You know, the grandmother greeting child, it's welcome, it's good you're here, you know, and then she would give that child, um, you know, like a, a prediction, you know, this is where you're going, you're going to be strong, you're going to be healthy, you're going to be a leader, you know, and she would give, um, I guess, basically a spiritual map, you know, of where this child was going. And so, all the other ceremonies build on that, you know, map, you know, they reach this point, then, okay, now you're going here, you know, and so whenever they reach the transition point of uh, young manhood, young womanhood, then they uh, show them another map, you know, and so it's kind of like having that guide, you know, just like whenever we go to New York City or Los Angeles, we need an app, or uh, we need a map, you know, to get where we're going, otherwise we wander, you know, and it's the same way with you know, the, our, our lives is that if we don't have that guidance and direction, the sacred guidance and direction, then we wander and we mm -hmm. search. And sometimes we find things that aren't good, you know, and we get involved in things that aren't good. So uh, basically, you know, that Lakota worldview, I think, um, is common, I think, among all Indigenous peoples. And, and I would say um, you know, the uh, relatives from Europe, Germany, I think they all had that at one time, you know, in some form, mm -hmm. because of, I, mean, I, I think we devolved, you know, as a people, you know, everywhere in the world to where we have these high child abuse rates mm -hmm. and high violence rates and mm -hmm. high everything rates, you know, that's mm -hmm. negative. But we can restore, you know, what was kept yes. us healthy and yes. and balanced. As we close today's episode, we hope that we left you with some new knowledge and teachings that you can take with you, perhaps even apply to your child welfare program in working to create that happy, healthy, whole community. Uh, Ethleen, um, I'm wondering if you could take a moment and close uh, this episode out for us today. Sure, I can do that. I really enjoyed this uh, conversation and I think conversations like this should happen everywhere, not just um, pertaining to child welfare agencies, but everywhere, um, tribal governments, um, city governments, state governments, federal governments, we should all be asking how are the children doing and what are the indicators for that, that include not only the standard, you know, child welfare indicators, but indicators like, um, you know, like the kinship, um, cherishing them, um, you know, their happiness, do they have enough to eat, you know, all of those, um, those measures that are really important to ensuring that, uh, you know, children are healthy and happy everywhere. So I just like to um, thank you, uh, Tojon Jackie, for inviting me and thank you um, Angela for your technical support and I would just like to end with saying which means in the Lakota language all my relatives everywhere not just human relatives but 
the plant nation, animal nation, the trees, the winged uh, nation, all of our relatives everywhere um, to acknowledge them. Thank you. Pilamaya. Thank you again to Ethleen Ironcloud, Two Dogs, and to our listeners for joining us. Take care, everyone. Way, ah, hey, 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 